こんにちは。こんにちは。元気ですか。はい。ピーチキーン。ピーチキーン。マイクマイク、would you like to introduce the show today？ はい。まずこんにちはから。はい。皆さんこんにちは。ようこそ兄弟ブラザーズへ。今日はカーズとデイビッドが ALT についてお話しします。Yay. Yay. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. Hello, and welcome to the Kyodai Brothers. I'm Kaz. And I'm David. And that's Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome. So, Kaz, what did Michael just say in Japanese? She said,、um, Welcome to the Kyodai Brothers with Kaz and David. Today they will be talking about ALT and that work involved. What does ALT mean? Involved. What does ALT mean? Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. You're excused. <laughs> so, David, what was your question?、Uh, so, what? Well, let's start with ALT. Okay. ALT is assistant language teacher. That's right. That is our profession. Right. Yeah, I'm an assistant language teacher, and so are you. That's correct. So, assistant language teachers are native English speakers generally、mm-hmm. who、uh, work in Japanese schools. Correct. And it is a very common job for English speakers coming to Japan to get into. That's right. Right. Okay. So, today we're going to be talking about、uh, our experience of being ALTs in Japan and what it involves.、Um, So, maybe for somebody who's interested in becoming an ALT in the future, maybe you might find some information that you find useful. Right.、Yeah. Or if you are an ALT currently living and residing in Japan or was once an ALT, it might be interesting just to hear our experiences. I think we both kind of have some unique experiences being an ALT because of where we live and how we go about teaching. Right, because、uh, Japan is such a large country、uh, with very different、uh, locations. So we don't live in Tokyo, for example. We live in very rural parts of Hokkaido. Right. I think a lot of the ALTs that are more vocal about being an ALT happen to live in bigger areas, you know, via YouTube or whatever. Yeah.、Uh, I've not seen too many rural. Rural, rural. It's <laughs> that word again. It's that word again.、Uh, I've not seen too many、uh, talk about the, you know, Inaka life, yeah, so Inaka, to speak. Countryside life, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, certainly、um, when I made the move to come to Japan, I had some kind of expectation in my mind that I would, I would end up in somewhere like Tokyo or Osaka or close to there.、Um, I remember quite well, actually, when、um, I was asked if I'd like to go to Hokkaido, I, I jumped at the chance because. Uh, like yourself, Kaz, my first trip to Japan, I took in some sites in Tokyo and Kyoto areas, but I didn't really know much about Japan outside of those famous places. So, Hokkaido represented a kind of wild, unknown land to me, so I was very, very pleased to be placed here. Right.、Um, originally, when I signed up for the dispatch company to bring me over here, You know, they had originally said I was going to move to Aomori, Aomori.、Okay. Uh, which is close to Hokkaido, but still in Honshu. That's right. It's the northernmost prefecture on the main island of Honshu, right? Right. And so that was going to be more of a city, urban life situation.、Yeah. And then they said, hey, do you want to move to the absolute middle of nowhere? And I said, ah, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. I really didn't have too many expectations before moving here. 
Yeah, but you're an adventurous sort and you're kind of independent as well. So it actually ended up suiting you quite well. Yeah, I think so. Mm. It, was, it was a great little move for me. Yeah. Uh, a little move. It was not a little move. It's a big move, right? Right. And yeah. we've talked about being ALTs before, but you know, today's show really wants, we want to focus on what that is mm. for those who don't know, for those who do know, and just the combo in between. Right, yeah, because when we're talking, you know, we know each other's work and what we do so well, so we can get a little a little too natural conversation. Right. right. Yes, yeah, so we want to try and explain what we do a little bit better, I suppose. Sure. Um, so you mentioned a dispatch company. So right. pr- probably the thing people would be most familiar with about being an ALT in Japan is something called the JET program, Right. which we are not. Correct. So the JET program, uh, what's your understanding of that, Kevin? So from what I understand, and I'm probably uh, wrong in some degrees, but the JET program is the Japanese government running a ALT program where they hire uh, specifically younger people, most likely right out of college, because you do need a college degree to come here to teach English as part of the requirements across the board. You know, they're looking for young people to come over here and in turn, share their culture and learn the culture of Japan. They're more encouraged to be an ambassador in those regards. They teach English and they're encouraged to join up with extracurricular activities and so on and so forth. Now, as a dispatch company uh, employee, such as what we are, we are encouraged to do ALT work and teach English, but that's kind of where it ends. Mm. And one of the other key differences that I know of, and I think I mentioned with Kevin on our pre- one of our previous episodes, is that a JET has a term limit. Three years one place, two years another, if they like you. Mm. And then they're, they say, okay, you're done with the JET program. Either go home or find another job or whatever. It's supposed to be like a cultural exchange. experience and exchange, mm. and that's it. We as dispatch company workers can kind of stay here however long we want yeah right so that i think you've explained it quite well that's my general understanding as well right um so yeah jet program uh, teachers tend to be on the younger side like you said just Mm -hmm. out of college and they might have a term of maybe three years and then they go home or maybe in exceptional circumstances like our friend kevin maybe five or six years uh, and then move on to something else uh, either within jet or within japan there's plenty of opportunity there's plenty of former jets who have gone on to stay working in other fields in japan mm-hmm. uh, and dispatch workers who are uh, hired by private companies to go into japanese schools and teach english we they would tend to get a certain degree of training from their dispatch company Correct. and support in teaching english with various materials and so on so what is a dispatch company mean what does that term mean uh, I think it's basically uh, a middleman in between the Japanese government and, or per, if you like, the Board of Education and the school or something like that. Right. So they sign a contract with the Board of Education or the regional government to provide a teacher to that school, a native English speaker usually. Right. So the Board of Education will hire a dispatch company such as some of the bigger ones. There's a there's a, a wide variety. There's a few of them around. Um, yeah. But the Board of Education will hire a dispatch company to bring in an ALT or an English speaker and kind of just have them, the dispatch company, deal with the ALT in question. That's right. The, the ALT will work for the dispatch company. So that's the hierarchy there. Right. 
And I understand, you know, like some of the reasons for that is because the Board of Education might not speak English or know how to really handle somebody new to the country. So they hire an outside company to deal with that for them. Yeah. But not to say there, uh, so there are jets which are hired by the Japanese government and dealt with that situation, dispatch companies. Then there are Akiwas, which are adult English conversation classes, or specifically outside of school sector. Yeah, they're private companies. They're private companies. And honestly, you and I both don't have much experience with that outside Mm. of listening and hearing things on the internet. And then finally, there is a direct hire ALT position where the Board of Education directly hires a person to work for that board of education without a middleman such as a dispatch company. And those people generally tend to have some experience of living in Japan or some level of Japanese that aids Correct. communication directly with the BOE. Right. With some bigger dispatch companies, you don't necessarily need to know a lot of Japanese or, if any, uh, to come over here and teach English. Right. You know. Um, That's a good aspect of the working for a dispatch company because they take care of you to a good degree. They provide you with instructions for what to do in the classroom, but also training, generally comprehensive training and materials and mm-hmm. methods of teaching and so on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the JET training program is like. I think it's a little bit more intense than the one that we particularly went to. Do you know, I have no real insight into that. Oh, um, yeah. I know the interview process is long and, and generally takes yes. place in the home country of the ALT before they come out to Japan. So Right. Okay. So let's actually talk about that. Mm. Um, so... You know, we're not jets, but from what I understand, it is a big selective process. Mm. Many people get rejected, mm. few people get accepted. Yeah. But for a dispatch company, I gotta say it's a lot easier. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, for me, I interviewed for a position here in Japan in Denver, Colorado. Mm. Uh, had to perform like a small lesson of how to teach English. I did directions, go left, go right, up, straight, down, around. (laughs) I did the same and uh, that was very interesting for me. And I think it was a useful part of the process of getting hired as an ALT because that performative element that you do in the interview where you demonstrate a lesson or a hypothetical lesson, that's a big part of teaching. I mean, it's not ideal if you're a shy introvert, for example. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to go straight into a classroom and be there and teach and control the class. Absolutely. So they're kind of looking for some good attitude people. Right. And you can get rejected from those things, but the likelihood is a little less than, say, jet. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that makes sense. Um, but I would have a uh, an idea that if you're applying to become a teacher, you have a certain level of self-confidence. Absolutely. Already, so. um, then, you know, once you get hired by a dispatch company, for us, um, they said, okay, come over here and we'll set you up. However, with the dispatch company, I can't speak for Jet. I don't know the answer. They didn't pay for any moving costs or anything. Mm. They relied on you. Mm. But they did provide a certificate of eligibility you know, proving that you're coming here to this country to work and work a specific thing in a specific place to allow you to have the visa, right? the work visa. Um, And that's a really big deal when trying to move to Japan and start work right away. Right. Um, So I appreciate my dispatch company for helping me do that. Mm. Obviously, and I'm going to go ahead and say this now, 
it's it's the negative of the particular thing. We're not paid extremely well. That's right. Yeah, um, I have noticed that compared to America, for example, Japan is not a particularly high wage economy. Uh, for example, there's a I think there's a tradition that anyone who's interested in Japan might have heard about already. Like, if you join a company as a young person out of university or something, there's a reasonable expectation that you stay with that company for your whole career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you climb the ladder within that company, mm -hmm. and that's how you become a serious professional or, or start to make serious money. Um, but ALTs, I think there's an expectation of uh, younger people who are doing this maybe just as a temporary. a temporary work, maybe for a few years and go back to their home country. Because as you said earlier, the JET program began as a kind of cultural exchange, mm -hmm. whereas uh, where teachers come from English-speaking countries like America, Canada, Australia, Ireland, they share their country and their culture with their students. They learn about Japan and they go back to their country and they tell everybody about Japan. Right. Yeah. So it's generally not uh, common that an ALT will stay for 10, 20 years in the same place. And that's why a board of education would most likely choose a dispatch company because they know that their ALTs or your foreign workers might be a quote unquote a little flighty. Yes. You yeah, know. Yeah. Or likely to move on soon. Unfortunately for our board of education they found out, oh wait, they want to stay. Yeah, yeah. Well it's uh, that's the other side of the coin, you know, people who love Japan. Of course there's gonna be an, a percentage of people who find they really love it and they want to stay and some of them stay for the rest of their lives, you know. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, ALT work is you know, it's a, a little bit on the lower end of the spectrum of jobs for foreign workers. It's sure. usually, you know kind of there can be a lot of negatives applied to it mm. but for us I think we found a lot of positives with it absolutely yeah. you know well I found that I love teaching for one thing yeah I enjoy it too yeah perhaps it, to a certain extent it's in my blood both my parents were high school teachers back home oh so, right um, after doing a few other things in my career like working for a finance company a financial data company and working in my old university for a few years uh, this is first time I'm very professionally happy um, Correct. I actually love my job you know yeah so um, when you find yourself in that situation I think it's uh, it's a bit of a gamble to just like change it up just for the sake of it you know? right I mean my last job was a bar manager yes, yeah. <laughs> you know and I came over here not really knowing what teaching was about uh -huh. but once I found my footing I was like oh wait a minute I'm finding immediate gratification if I did a good job or a bad job oh I really like this that's good yeah yeah it's it's wonderful yeah teaching teaching people how to speak a new language it's such an enriching experience for them so it's a very rewarding experience for us mm -hmm. it's a good thing um yeah i've really enjoyed learning how to teach mm. and teaching yeah but let's talk about um for those who have never taught what happens in that first month or so when you're here and you're actually at your school? What's what's going on? Well, it is. Uh, there's a lot of surprises in your first oh, uh, first few weeks and months. Um, it's funny, you know, the school building. Uh, you could lift it right out of America, for example. You know, it's a kind of boring gray concrete sort of thing. It's Mind like a, like any old high school <laughs> yeah. uh, in America or Canada. Um, classrooms are the same size there's a blackboard maybe these days there's a huge tv with a computer and so on but there's a lot of different things like when the bell rings it's not people screaming down the hall pushing each other out of the way being late for class there's very little of that yeah in my experience 
um, when the chime goes uh, to begin the class, one of the students in the class will tell everyone else to stand up. They will stand up and bow and say in Japanese, for example, Korai kara ichijikan mei o hajimemasu, which means, and now we begin first period. Right. And then they'll do a similar thing at the end of class when the bell goes um, to signify that they've finished and everyone bows uh, at the same time. It's very kind of ritualized, formal sort of experience which is totally alien to me because mm. when i was in secondary school or high school when Teach the bell me, rings yeah when the bell rings the teacher could be still writing on the board the bell goes everyone runs everyone bolts for the door and oh, the teacher's right. left screaming wait you don't forget your homework page 29 blah 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 sure yeah um so that's one of the biggest kind of differences when i first set foot in the classroom you know and not to mention in american schools we would change classes to the particular teacher so we'd move to the science room right. for science class. We'd move to the history room for history class, whatever. Mm. But here, the history teacher will come to oh, said classroom. Yeah. Right. So we had kind of both in my school. Sometimes you go to a science class. Sometimes the science teacher comes to your uh, classroom, depending on whether there was a practical involved. The second thinking. graders have their second grade classroom, and that's where all the teachers go to for second grade all day. Right. Yeah. You know, they don't go many different places. So, Kaz, um, we're at ALTs, assistant language teacher. So, assistant, does that mean you're helping somebody all the time? Why? What does that assistant mean? So, to me, it is, you know, when I go into a classroom, it's me and a JTE, mm. a Japanese teacher of English. Mm. They are a uh, licensed teacher who has chosen the profession to teach English mm. most of the time. And sometimes in rural situations, the, the, the rules kind of change, but uh, yeah. I'll get to that a little later. Um, but I go in there with JTE, you know, and he and I kind of teach together. Now, there are many different levels of what that kind of means. So um, in my particular case, I do some sort of presentation of the grammar that we're going to learn. Um, kakoke or past tense, you mm. know. Uh, I show a picture of a hamburger. I ate a hamburger. Not, I eat a hamburger. I ate a hamburger. And then in the next section, uh, you know, maybe my JT will do a little bit of setsume or explanation mm. of what that kind of meant. What do we do? How do we deal with it? And then um, typically I'll play some sort of game or practice of the talking. And then at the end, I will also explain some sort of... Um, production or writing assignment i see right and that would be considered a 50 50 split in my particular case mm -hmm. but another thing you can note um is there's a t1 position a t2 position is there a t3 i'm, I'm not real sure i'm sure you could say t3 if there's another teacher in the class to help or whatever right so a t1 position is the alt or the jte depending on which one, is doing the majority of the class lesson. Hmm. A T2 is the assistant with, you know, explanation or pronunciation practice. I see. And that can change depending on the lesson, depending on how you're going to do something on that day. Right. Yeah. Because typically ALTs, and I'm assuming JETs as well, are not going to be 100% fluent in the language. And there needs to be somebody who is in the, fluent in the language helping out with that explanation for the students. Right. So 
in general, uh, the JTE might be the T1 and the ALT might be the T2. T2. So the Japanese teacher is explaining the grammar. He might do that in Japanese. Sometimes he might do it in English, but he can use his fluency in Japanese to help. Right. And then maybe the ALT is providing uh, some kind of game or activity to demonstrate that grammar in a natural context and providing uh, real uh, native speaker pronunciation and so on. But I think a lot of it is the ALT is there to provide some sort of context. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, a sounding board mm. and somebody that you feel comfortable with after a certain period of time when you do become comfortable with them, somebody to practice with that's not a complete stranger, you know, and right. knows that here's your level, how I can talk to you in this particular way. I see, yeah. Or at least that's my opinion. No, I, I get it, and I, I agree entirely. What's funny sometimes is when maybe the JT asks the native speaker, the native speaking ALT, oh, why do you do so such and such in English? And then we just, oh, you know what, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a native speaker. I never actually thought about that. You know, why is it comb, tomb, bomb? It's C, it's all ending in O-M-B. It should be com, bomb, tom, right? Right. <laughs> Why do we do it different? I have no clue. <laughs> but that's a, that's a good point. Uh, so the JTE is the licensed teacher, you know, with the qualification of teaching. ALTs may have some kind of license or uh, uh, qualifications yes, of certifications. Um, some of them have TEFL courses or, or uh, CELTA which or is CELTA, a little yeah. bit more special or in more notable level. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but in general the the main qualification ALTs have to have is some kind of university degree from back home and be a native speaker and of English native speaker, yeah. generally uh, the definition is to have gone through an English speaking education system for 12 years right mm -hmm. yeah so primary and secondary or elementary middle and high school in your case right now every Every situation is different. Mm. That is the key motto of almost all ALT work. Right. You know, no one's going to have the same experience. Um, you know, for us, we have very different experiences than I would say Tokyo or Osaka ALTs. The primary difference probably being the size of our classes and the amount of students who are tasked with teaching. So, mm -hmm. yeah, in my junior high, if you were to put my elementary school and junior high all together, there's about 150 students all in. Um, and I get to see all of them pretty much uh, on a weekly basis, which is good. And you know most of your students. I know all their names. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I know all the names of my students as well. But then again, in one of my schools, I have 10 students. Right. And it's a junior high school and an elementary school mixed. Yeah. There are two junior high school students currently. Uh -huh. um, and then in the other school, you know, I have a normal size classroom. But, you know, in, say, Tokyo, you could have... A fifth grade class, you have three or four fifth grade classes, mm. group of 20, 20, 20, or 30, 30, 30, and they're all only fifth graders. Mm. And so, you know, an ALT down in Tokyo might teach fifth grade class A on Monday, fifth grade class B on Tuesday, mm. and get kind of, you know, hundreds of kids yeah. in a week, so we may not get to know them. We're very special in the fact that we know our students. That's right, yeah. 
So we have, uh, there's pluses and minuses on both ends, I think. Sure. Yeah. So for example, if you're teaching a big school with many students, you might have to teach the same lesson to several different groups of kids. Mm -hmm. So there's a nice kind of repetition. And, and you can perfect how that works. Exactly. Now we have smaller classes, so we generally do one lesson one time. But on the other hand, we don't, we're not as busy as, say, a, sure. a teacher in Tokyo. Right. Yeah. And we can get to know our students much easier. Mm -hmm. As you were saying, you don't get to spend enough time one-on-one -on -one with kids in Tokyo or Osaka schools. Now, when you first came over here, were you presented with any material on how to teach a lesson? Absolutely, yeah. With dispatch companies, you generally get a lot of training before they send you to your schools for the first time. So I was, I had a whole week of intensive training down in Tokyo, actually. Oh, me too. It was uh, a kind of shock uh, to the system, you know, um, but it was a good way to... They really help to build up your confidence in terms of uh, the performative element of being a teacher. You have to control a class. You have to be able to uh, maybe entertain to a certain extent or be able to present the language you want, you want to teach in an interesting way. So being an ALT, uh, that is a, a big focus. You know, it's not just about listen and repeat. It's not just about do, the, do this worksheet I'm giving you. Um, it's a very interactive um, there's a, a good focus on making language interesting, making it relevant to your students. And that was really impressed on me in my training. Right. And I feel like the training that we received were more or less like how to be versus the actual nitty gritty, you know, grammar points and sure, stuff sure. like that. Now, the dispatch company provides lesson plans mm. as well, you know here's how you do your introduction here's this game how to do this and here's a worksheet that we have provided mm. so if you follow those steps you know without knowing what to do or how to you know get into the swing of things you should be okay you know yeah that's a you know in, instead of you just going hey please teach past tense go <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, it's good to have those to fall back on obviously as you uh, gain experience and develop as a teacher, you become more confident in building your own lesson plans. But occasionally you can draw a blank. You can be like, oh, what am I going to teach for this lesson? And it's great to have that resource there. You know? Absolutely. And that's a trusted resource as well. That uh, It's been proven school. to work. Exactly, yeah. You know, uh, but as, you know, I have experienced um, the lesson plans provided to me where, say, get the students into groups of four. Uh-huh. Well, I have one student. Right, right. And it's me and him. Yeah. So oh. that, that's a particular challenge for you, isn't it? I, sure. I've never had that sort of experience. So when I first started, I had a lot more fails and wins. Hmm. You know, like, oh, I didn't teach him anything. I failed all that. You know, oh. he went way over his head. Yeah. And then there'll be other times like, oh, I got it. Yeah. You know, it worked. Yeah. Um, so in that beginning time, I would spend a week preparing and preparing and preparing for a one-hour class i see yeah yeah i mean did you experience that as well well yeah i know exactly what you mean like i've had a lot of hits and misses you know and i remember one of my old bosses like in my first year i was explaining to him a situation where i did a couple of classes in a couple of different schools um it was sixth grade in elementary school I went to this school, I taught the class, it killed. It was amazing. The kids loved it. They actually applauded at the end of it. Yay. And then I went to another school, same kind of age group, uh, just slightly flat. different group, and it fell totally flat. And I don't know, I got the impression maybe their teacher had chewed them out the class before, or there was mm -hmm. some kind of strange dynamic. 
But my boss said a reassuring thing to me at that time. I always remember it. He said, that's teaching, you know. Some mm-hmm. days it works, some days it doesn't. And that goes to a, a kind of fundamental belief here in Japan, not just in teaching, but in general, a cultural attitude is that, you know, perfection is not the goal. It's never the goal. All that's asked of an ALT or anyone in society really is that you try your best. And if you give your best or make a genuine effort to do something, do something well, that's really appreciated. And I took that as a very important lesson. And I always try to remind myself of that when things don't go perfectly. You know, I know nobody's judging me too harshly. Uh, right. Maybe my colleagues at school or the principal or my dispatch company uh, bosses, nobody's going to say, oh, you messed up, Dave, you're out, you know. Well, that brings up a very good point. There is a little bit of a level of forgiveness mm. for being, you know, specifically a foreigner in mm. a foreign country. Sure. You know, oh, he doesn't quite grasp some of this stuff or, mm. you know, we don't expect this from you quite yet. You know, that, that level of forgiveness is really there at the especially the beginning of your career as an ALT. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's a there's an acceptance that you don't necessarily know how everything works. Right. And therefore, of course, you're not going to get everything right and perfectly all the time. For example, um, sometimes you might notice in your school the Japanese teachers go to watch another another teacher's class and then they have a meeting afterwards. And this is all about, um, you know, the other teachers can critique and offer points of view on the lesson that they just watched. But it's not the point is not to criticize or to tell the teacher how bad it was. The point is that everybody learns and everybody develops together as teachers, as a school, as a group. Right. One thing I also like, dislike, I'm, I'm on the fence about it, but I think it's a, in, at its core idea it's good. Um, many of the teachers here will work specifically in public schools. In private schools, it's a different situation. Mm. But they'll work for a school. They'll come in uh, and work for four, three or four years in that specific school, then change to a new school. And there's this rotation of teachers to different schools to kind of keep things fresh. I think they do that to a certain extent in Ireland as well. You know, you can't just choose what school you go to teach in. You know, the government will assign you somewhere, at least until your preferred location comes up. Well, in America, you know, Miss Miller's been here since the dinosaurs were born. Oh, really? (laughs) You know? Yeah. And uh, she's been teaching math as an angry institutional leader. Mm. Um, yeah, so wherever you go is wherever you want to be. Yeah. So there's benefits uh, to it, I think, like the students realize um, that a rotation and getting different aspects and different teachers is, is a good thing in some way. Sure. And also uh, the teachers are government employees, so uh, to a certain extent they have to do what they're told, but also they have to spread expertise around, you know, so all the teachers don't automatically congregate in Sapporo, for example, or the big cities, that the smaller towns and the smaller boards of education can get really good teachers as well. Right. It's very important um, that there's a standardization of education across the whole country. So um, to kind of change topics a little bit, but kind of keep back, keep staying here, Mm. um, you know, Japanese teachers, especially in junior high school, work crazy hard and for long periods of time. Right. While us ALTs, specifically dispatch company, work a short amount of time, you know, going in at 8.30 in the, in the morning and leaving at 3.30. Right. You know. So, yeah, there's a, there's a trade-off involved. You know, as a dispatch company ALT, generally you have, 
you take your directions from the company, uh, you get a bit more free time than if you're a direct hire employee from the Board of Education. But yeah, you can you can you get a your salary is a little smaller then as well. Yeah, to be completely honest, uh, it's a little bit of a negative, but at the same time a positive because you get so much free time. Yeah, you are kind of a part time worker. Right. You know. Yeah. It, I would suggest for others to research what that actually means mm. for those who are listening. But for us, you know, it kind of works. I like my free time. Yeah, I know. Um, but the Japanese teacher will go in from like 7 a.m. and won't leave till like 8 or 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah. They do work very hard. I know teachers in Ireland work very hard as well, um, but they generally are rewarded with nice summer vacations and nice winter vacations, whereas... Mm-hmm. Here in Japan, during summer vacation, the kids might be off school for a few weeks, but probably still go to their club activities, whether they're in the baseball club or the volleyball club. Or the, and who is dealing with the those teachers classes? are there yeah. every day, yeah. So they don't really get a summer vacation or a winter vacation no. that, the way we would do or the way the students do. Um, but yeah, they work very hard. They're dedicated to their students very much. Culturally speaking, uh, you know this because we've talked about it before, your homeroom teacher, uh, the teacher who's in charge of your homeroom class. Generally, uh, they have a very close relationship with their students. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, they're seen as surrogate parents. That's correct. Yeah, so they can, um, during every school semester, mm-hmm. at some point, the homeroom teacher will visit their student's house to consult with their parents, talk about how the student is doing, but also maybe, you know, inspect their room and see how their study area is going and so on. So they're very much kind of closely involved with the the child's upbringing. In America, I don't think my mother ever knew some of my teachers. Yeah, I think some of my teachers never knew my name. (laughs) (laughs) What can you do? What can you do? But yeah, I think uh, generally speaking, uh, Japanese teachers, they work very hard, but um, they are seen as very important members of society. Being a teacher is a respected, uh, highly respected and important part of the society and the community of whatever town. And there is a bit of social pressure on them as well. Mm. You know, one of the things I have noticed from my vice principal at one of my schools, he's like a really good friend of mine. Uh-huh. Help me buy a car. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he told me that you know he has to follow the speed limit exactly to I the see. number because yeah. if he gets a ticket in America, if you get a ticket, you deal with it. You know you can tell people if you don't want to, it's no big but deal. most likely you get a ticket as a vice principal. Poor education is gonna know it, yeah. and there can be serious consequences for it because yeah. you're supposed to be a leader in the community and be an example and a role model for these students. I see. So that can be a little nerve wracking for me if I was in that position. You ever got a ticket? In America, yes. Uh-huh. Have Japan? you ever? In in Japan? Yes, I have. Oh, oh, what'd you do? I think I drove over the speed limit, Cassie. Oh no! <laughs> Not that I ever do that ever. Uh, no, I, 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 I'm confused. It was a dream. It was a dream. Right, right. It never happened. Never happened. I don't know what you're talking I about. I don't know where that came from. Sorry about that. <laughs> But yeah, there is that extra cultural pressure to model good behavior. Yes. But that's to be expected, and it's not particularly Japanese thing. I think teachers in general around the world are that, you know, a little bit more is expected of them. Now, in Ireland, um, you know, 
did you ever know or hear directly from your teachers, I smoke cigarettes and drink beer? Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, you're, you're uh, talking about Ireland, you know. That's <laughs> it's Ireland. A different world away. In America, there was like some impetus not to say, I drink or smoke, yeah. uh, you know, cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. But for me, when I came over here, I was doing one of my first lessons with this kid. It's like, uh-huh. what drink, what, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite drink or what drink do you like? Uh-huh. I like Coca-Cola. And I said, like, I like coffee because oh, it's an good. adult thing and that's great yeah. uh, the japanese teacher said i like beer <laughs> and i'm like oh wait hold on but again you're in a rural setting as am i yeah and there tends to be a little more things are a little bit more laid back in those rural settings than you might expect in well and it, it is there is that cultural thing of like if you're at an inkai or a party drinking with your colleagues or whatever yeah and they get trashed. You just don't talk about it afterwards. That's something I like a lot because Irish people love to talk about the night before. Oh, and I don't think it's a good thing necessarily. No. Yeah. And then, you know, the teachers are also part of the community and they're hanging out at the, you know, uh, I don't know, festival in town. They're drinking in front yeah. of the kids. It's As long as they're not being a, a spectacle, if yeah. you will, then, yeah. then everything's fine. Yeah, you mentioned festival just briefly. Uh, it's not a huge part of being an ALT or being a teacher, but right. generally speaking in smaller towns that have a festival, and basically every town in Japan has some kind of special festival, whether it's winter festival, summer festival, or both. And one nice little perk of being an ALT is like you are expected and will almost certainly participate in that festival Ooh, wearing yeah. traditional Japanese clothes and doing something very interesting that you'd never thought you'd, you'd never expect yourself to be David, doing. Have you ever had to carry omikoshi? Uh, no, but I've had to push an andon around for a while. Oh, okay. It's kind of like omikoshi. What is an andon? Andon is a lantern. Uh, my town has a famous Andon festival. Check it out, Numata Andon festival. Um, right, don't you crash lantern uh, structures into each other? Giant 10 meter heavy uh, lanterns. Um, they crash them into each other at the end of the festival. That's uh, right. I went to one. It was you so did, much yeah. fun. It's really, really extraordinary. I I always remember the first time I saw it. I was taking a video of the beautiful Andon because when it gets uh, night, you know, 7, 8 p.m., it gets dark in the summer, and then they light up the lanterns. They look amazing. And then they just start smashing them into each other, these giant structures. I was really shocked. It's like, what's going on? These beautiful things being you know. destroyed. Yeah, you got to check it out. In yeah. my little town, you know, there's only 300 people, uh-huh. 10 of which are bears. I see. I'm one <laughs> of them. Um, we have a very small shrine, but we had this omikoshi thing, which is like a little small portable shrine. Uh-huh. And typically a group of 20 people will take it upon themselves to lift these these omikoshis and kind of throw them in the air. Well, yeah. it's heavy. Huh. And I'm tall. So oh, I got the you got front, all the weight. I got all the weight. Yeah. And I got sunburned on my head real bad. <laughs> and I bruised my shoulder from the wooden plank because I, my arms got tired, so I rested on my shoulder. Yeah. Oh, well, that was a mistake. Yeah. And it took hours. But it's such a fun thing because every festival is a little bit different, right? Sure. So I get to wear these really cool dark clothes with some Japanese embroidery. You know, you've got the... The happy and the kind of 
and I get a bandana and all this sort of stuff. But our friend Cameron in Embetsu, he oh, kind of right. wears a sumo-looking nappy sort of thing, right? Right. Yeah. But you know, his omikoshi or thing like that is they're just chugging osake. Oh wow! You know, the whole time so they're <laughs> plastered going through the streets and then just hucking this thing up into the air. In my case, I was like, oh, I get to drink too. No, no, this is in the middle of the day. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was just something I wanted to touch on. I of think course. we've talked about it before. Well, yeah, you know, honestly, I think I've repeated myself a couple of times since, you know, these episodes, and sure. that's okay. Yeah. Um, but one of the things you experience as an ALT is the Japanese culture. You are kind of expected to come and join things. Right. So not only uh, doing your best uh, is a prize thing in Japan, but participation is kind of expected of you as a teacher, as an ALT participation in events, participation in meetings and conferences, um, and communication is very important. Even if we have that language barrier, uh, attempted communication is very prized. You know, you get a lot of mileage if you just try to communicate with your Japanese colleagues about students, about lessons, about things going on in the school. It's a very important part of being an ALT. Mm. ザ兄弟プラザーズドットコムと検索していただければ、よりもっと情報を得ることができますので、よかったら検索してみてください。So, Kaz, I want to ask you, um, being an ALT, we've talked about a few different aspects, but maybe if we could focus in on, you know, a typical lesson that you might do in junior high school. How, okay. how about that? Can you describe it? Uh, generally, they're 50 minutes long, right? Right. Uh, 50 minutes in junior high school, 45 minutes in elementary school. As an ALT, you will typically teach anywhere between kindergarten and junior high school, sometimes high school, depending on where you are. I think JETS may be more focused towards high school, and dispatch company might be more focused towards the younger ages. I see. Uh, for junior high school, for me, I will be given uh, a topic to discuss or teach, uh, a day before, a day <laughs> sometimes, before the lesson. sometimes <laughs> some, I have to kind of force my teachers, hey, can you kind of tell me what I need to prepare for now, not tomorrow when yeah, it's yeah. due? Um, but, you know, I'll be told um, we need to do something about, um, what's a good one? Have to. Have to. Okay, so the, the English language stru structure, I have, have to, to do something. I have to go to school. I mm. don't have to go to Tokyo mm. or something like that, this particular structure. It's shinakureba naranai for have to and shinakutemoides. Shinakutemoides. Michael, can you come here? <laughs> I need good pronunciation of this. Well, I see, yeah, this, I this is the it. reverse, right? So we as ALTs were there in school to pronounce uh, things perfectly in native speakers. And Michael is here to pronounce Japanese correctly for us. What is, I have to go to school in Japanese? Okay. I don't have to go to school. I don't have to go to school. So, have to, Nihongo de? And then, don't have to. Ah, mm. Yes. Don't have to. Don't have to. 
Mm-hmm. And this, this is a very clear example of why it's important to have a Japanese teacher or Japanese person in the classroom because of these nuances that we as ALTs can't do. Right, yeah. So it might be, if you didn't really know what you were doing, if you were left on your own, you might not be able to explain the difference between shinakute mo wii and shin hitsuyo ga nai toka. So anyways, I will get the lesson of have to, and I have to. And I have to teach this particular lesson. So I, in my particular case, I'm a 50-50 with my JTE. We, I, he trusts me enough to continue to do well uh, and teach majority. Uh, so I'll go in and I'll present something. I, in my typical fashion, I love using my computer and I love using Keynote and PowerNote. I see. Power note? Key point and power note. <laughs> I'm going to combine the two and say power note. <laughs> PowerPoint? Keynote? I'm with you. I'm with you. But anyways, I will present something on the screen because we have technology available in the classroom. Not everybody does. Mm. Um, and I'll present something with you know some context to characters saying, I have to go to school. I don't have to go to school. Um, other ALTs might use flashcards of a character trying to go to school or don't having to go, not having to go to school. Um, or another, you know, a, a, a small talk, a small yeah. talk, you know, hmm. David, do you have to go to school? No, I don't. Do you have to go to Wakanai? Yes, I do. Okay. Right. Yeah. So there's that presentation. Yeah. You can do that with the Japanese teacher of English. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And then, you know, that usually after I kind of get them solidified to some degree of what that concept is, maybe I'll ask some of the students, you know, do you have to go to school? Yes, I do. Do you have to eat a cow? <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> you know, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then typically afterwards, I use some sort of practice, hmm. you know, uh, a game. So an activity of, or a game to get them to use that target structure, have right. to or don't have to, or yes, I do, no, I don't. For me, you know, they'll pick up cards and it'll have like a little you know picture selection of a scene and can you make a sentence out of that mm. i don't have to i have to right you know there's a picture of a, uh i don't know um a school obviously oh i have to go to school easy and there's a picture of pikachu uh you know that yeah. kind of thing it can be fun whatever and you can come up with Many There's different endless things. ways to pr- uh, get them to practice those target sure. structures, and then at the end of the class, I typically have them kind of show me that they got it, give it back to you, as it were, and give it back to me either through writing or creating questions on their own and asking me or the JTE and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Now that's I'm typically using the three P structure: the presentation practice and production i get you okay. now there are there's better ways of doing it but yeah. i'm still learning so present the language you wish to teach, teach in an interesting way get them to practice it in a way that's maybe relevant to their lives with things that are familiar to them and then production give it back to you show you that they've understood right okay yeah. and there are nuances of how to change that up there are new particular ways of how to do that but this is typically what i end up doing hmm. and that is a typical junior high school class. David, 
you focus a lot more on elementary school, right? Yeah, I do both. But um, like you, my JT in junior high school tends to take the lead. So sometimes I'm T1, uh, the main teacher, uh, but usually I'm T2 in junior high. So yeah, you're right. In elementary, I basically teach all the lessons by myself most of the time. Uh, and I try to involve the homeroom teacher in my lessons as much as possible because the students always have a very close relationship with the homeroom teacher. So it's good to utilize that because it's somebody they're familiar with. So once they can see me demonstrating language with the homeroom teacher, they can see, oh, since they can do it, I can do it too. So uh, you want me to tell you a typical lesson? Yes, please. Okay, so uh, have to was a great example uh, for junior high. I think that comes up in the junior high, second so grade. Second grade, mid-year. Yeah, so uh, a typical example of uh, target language for maybe fifth grade elementary uh, these days with the current textbooks might be can. So what can you do? So things like the kids always learn like and have. I like cats. I have a dog. I eat sushi. That's quite a basic level where the kids start off in elementary. Uh, can is kind of dekiru uh, in Japanese. Dekiru koto ga. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Suru koto ga dekimasu. Let's... Let's get Michael over here. Michael. <laughs> so there's two ways of generally of saying can in Japanese. So, can. so Michael, I can drive a car. I can play baseball. Oh, thank you. I can't play soccer. わたしはサッカーをすることができません。Ah, yeah, yeah. So there's a nuance in Japanese there. So, for example, uh, but in Japanese, you can say, I can baseball or I can't baseball. But in English, we need that word play in there. In Japanese, they can take the word play or leave it. How about, I can swim? Natural conversation with my Japanese friend. Yeah. I can't swim. I don't say in Japanese. I don't say that. Then text Thank you, Michael. What the confused? No, no, no. I think everyone listening understood you perfect. <laughs> right, right. So I'm going to explain like how I would teach the lesson can, for okay. example. Uh, how to teach going into say, fifth grade in elementary school uh, can or can't do something. Okay. So, well, the pressure's on me now. <laughs> so generally, you try to introduce it in an interesting way. So uh, maybe you do some gestures or something like this. 
um, maybe you're trying to draw a picture on the board and you're trying to draw some familiar character like Doraemon. Mm-hmm. Now, can you draw Doraemon? No, I can't. Oh, so you might start off doing the circles for the eyes and then the nose and then the head. And then, no, I can't draw Doraemon, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you start asking kids, can you draw Doraemon? Maybe they answer in Japanese, hi, dekiru, kakeru, toka. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually you get them to understand you're trying to teach them dekiru, dekimas. Mm. And you can do that in a variety of ways. Use flashcards, use presentation like you do in junior high. Use gestures. Gestures with flashcards is always good. Um, so then when you do a practice activity, when they've got and understood the language you're trying to teach, then you might use a practice activity like um, uh, the keyword game or something like that which is you want it to be very interactive and get the kids um, moving and enjoying using the language. So it's a simple way to get them to repeat after you. So if I have a row of flashcards on the board... Like and this is the keyword game, The right? keyword game, yeah. So you get two students together and in between them they put one eraser uh, or something small like that. And then you select one word out of the many words on the board to be your keyword. And when the students hear that word, they have to try to grab the eraser. So, for example, we'll have sports, soccer, baseball, uh, rugby, tennis, and tennis being the key word. Good. Everyone, first of all, the kids put their hands, hands on, on their, their heads, head. and then I say, I can play baseball. I can play baseball. I can swim. I can swim. I can do kendo. I can do kendo. I can play tennis. Ha! Yeah, you got to grab it. Right, yeah. you got to grab it. Yeah, so that's a good uh, go-to game for many ALTs. And right, and I think for elementary, it's more about learning the pattern, right? Yeah, right, right. That's a good reason why you need different flashcards there, but the same pattern all along. And so you do maybe one activity like that, maybe a second practice activity, a kind of game in a slightly different way. And then you want them to give it back to you, right? So you could have some kind of uh, survey game where they go around, ask each other, I can play soccer. The other student says, I can play baseball. Maybe they have a list on a card in their hand and they can circle what their friend can do or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's very simple. Um, But the key uh, aspect of teaching elementary for me is trying to make it fun, uh, keep the students' interest in it, um, because if they lose interest in it at a young age, that's going to be kind of hard to get it back. You know, all kids go through their teenage years where they don't, maybe some of them don't like school so much. Um, but when they're at that young age in elementary, I think it's important to keep the participation and the energy at a high level in the school. Yeah. So, yeah, as you said, elementary school lessons are generally 45 minutes. Right. Yeah. And when I first started teaching, I thought, oh, this is too long. I, I don't know what to do. I've already spent all my energy. Yeah. Now, at this point, I'm like, it's too short. I need more time. Yeah, yeah. Especially when the kids are enjoying their uh, activities. Yeah. So we've talked about ways of teaching in the classroom, how we approach our lessons. Uh, Can I ask you, Kaz, if you have a particular philosophy or outlook on teaching in general, or maybe what is it you find enriching for you, why you enjoy being a teacher in Japan? Because you've been doing it for a few years, like myself. I don't have an answer quite yet. Okay. And, you know, that's okay, I think. Mm. Um, Because I'm still discovering what it is. Yeah. You know... I know that I'm enjoying it because I can see that the students are enjoying it, or if they're not, you know, how do I correct that? Mm. 
I'm also seeing direct response from my fellow teachers going, oh, that's cool, or, oh, that's not, and it's helping me improve as an individual. I also, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm having a good time. Yeah. And whatever that combination of things is, that's my philosophy, but I don't know how to put into words. Do you have a philosophy or a key point for you? Sure, I think I do. Um, but first I would say, you know, I would answer this question in a variety of different ways, depending on when you asked me over the last few years. So when I was in my first year, uh, you know, I'm naturally quite a shy person. So it was a big challenge for me to get out there in the classroom and sort of direct and hold a class, you know, and be entertaining and energetic all the time. But actually, once I got out there doing it, it came pretty quickly and pretty naturally. Um, these days, I feel very at home in the classroom. And to be honest, I enjoy teaching a class being T1 more than I do enjoy being T2. You know, I like having the responsibility of planning the lesson and teaching the class more than just being a helper, you know. But I think, yeah, my philosophy on teaching probably goes along with what we said before, you know, try your best. Um, always try to think about how the student is going to receive the lesson, you know, uh, think about how a person who doesn't know the language you're trying to teach will view your gestures and what you're trying to say up there. Um, always put yourself in the student's shoes before you go into the classroom, you know. Try to use language they're familiar with in your explanation of the new language and so on. And try to make things relevant for the students, you know. So um, I definitely agree. So we've talked before about popular manga and anime and so on. It's not disingenuous of you to pretend that you like this manga to try and teach it to your kids. That's a good thing, I think. All right. Yeah. Um, but I do think um, when I meet my kids in the hall, I try to be myself as much as possible. I can't talk with them the way I would with my friends back home. I try to speak slowly and clearly, obviously. Um, but I'm still very much myself and I take a genuine interest in my students' lives and I think that's important and it's probably a key reason why I think I get on pretty well with most of my kids, you know. Um, so yeah, I try to be myself and really put myself in the student's position. If you like, empathy is just a, a good way to put it, you know, Yeah. if that answers your question. Well, yeah. I think it does what it needs to do. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it, having a philosophy about teaching is very personal to each and every person. Right, yeah. Um, and the answers can widely vary. Mm. Um, so I think your idea is pretty damn good, mm. in, in my opinion. So to take that point and expand it to other teachers, yeah, I think maybe I've said it before, but yeah, find a, a teaching method in your lessons and in the classroom that suits you. So... So try to share your interests in the classroom as well. As share as your good, culture. Yeah, share your culture is a big and part of it. And that either is your, for me, American culture or me culture. Yeah, yeah. Right? And what's specific to you. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching's hard. Teaching's different. It's hard. And yeah, there are ups and downs. Yeah, definitely. And as the motto goes, every situation is different. Right. I kind of hate saying it, yeah. but it rings true. No, it's true. That's the old jet motto, right? Every situation is different. Okay. Okay. So, David, I think, honestly, we could continue about talking about being an ALT for 
hours. Yeah, we've been very general today without necessarily sharing specific experiences, I think. Good stories, bad stories, specific interactions. But I think we do kind of need to wrap things up, right? Sure. I've really enjoyed today's episode. I think Michael coming over has been really nice. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Would you like to sign off for us today? This has been the Kyodai Brothers. I'm Kaz. And I'm David. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. 今回はデビッドとカーズがALTについてお話しました。皆さん聞いてくれてありがとうございました。それではまた次回楽しみにしていてください。またね。We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.